Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the National Police Association Report. We're very excited to have Manny Ramirez with us. Manny is the president of the Fort Worth Police Officers Association. And Manny, first of all, we just want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Betsy. I think uh, I mean, your organization is phenomenal. What you guys do is, is phenomenal, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Manny, what kind of things are you seeing in Fort Worth these days? I mean, the news cycle changes so quickly. And Texas law enforcement is, uh, is very unique. You tend to have a lot of community support. Um, but, you know, the, the Metroplex in the Fort Worth area, you're, you're so incredibly busy. What are you seeing right now with the defund the police atmosphere. Are things as bad here in Fort Worth as they are in, you know, Portland or New York or Chicago? What are you seeing here? You know, I'll say the tone and temperament and rhetoric is the exact same as it is all over the nation. Um, you see the same taglines, the same echo chambers happening over and over and over. Uh, the difference is we've got citizens in Texas and in Fort Worth specifically that stand up and say, no, we're not going to have that here in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Locally, just recently, we had uh, a referendum on the ballot, basically, um, whether or not to continue our half-cent sales tax that funds part of our police department. It's about $80 million a year. And it was a 10-year election, so about almost a billion dollars over 10 years. And uh, there was a concerted effort by those activist groups to try to defeat that proposition and defund our department. And, um, you know, we we gathered all of our supporters and made sure we drove them to the polls. And at the end of the day, we overwhelmingly defeated their attempts to defund our department at the ballot box, you know, by 65%. So um, we've seen success locally. I mean, just, just two weeks ago, we signed a four-year contract between our police department and our city council, uh, making us one of the highest paid departments in the state. Um, and so in Fort Worth, we are very fortunate to have council support, um, citizen support, but I'll tell you the, the, Rhetoric is the same. Our activist groups are saying the same things the activist groups are saying in Seattle and in Portland and in New York. Um, we're just, we've, we've got a foundation here of citizen and political support that allows us to um, beat back those attempts uh, for now. But we recognize that, you know, eventually um, if we're not vigilant and if we're not pushing back hard enough, all that stuff will creep into Texas because we've seen it. It's happening in Austin, it's happening in Dallas, it's happening in San Antonio. Um, I mean, and that's troublesome knowing that those big cities were once just like Fort Worth. Uh, and we are the 13th largest city in America and, and really one of the only ones that's still um, run by, you know, conservative governance. But, you know, policing shouldn't be a, a partisan issue at all. And it's a shame that it's boiled down to that. So we're seeing the same thing that, that others are around the nation. Manny, what do you credit Fort Worth's ability to keep citizens engaged and positive when it comes to the police department. What kind of programs do you have? What can other communities do to model what Fort Worth is doing? You know, we've been doing community policing for a good 30 years where we have a, a neighborhood patrol officer program where we have a neighborhood patrol officer that's assigned to every single beat. And their job is not to take calls. Their job is to go to HOA meetings, meet with citizen groups, and really become connected. So when it comes time to elect local officials that are uh, supportive of public safety, we already have our pool and our base of support right there. 
Um, and, and something we figured out early on, our association, we've been in existence since 1948. Um, something we figured out early on is that if you wanna have a well-run city that, that prioritizes public safety, you have to make sure your elected officials prioritize public safety. So um, we put a lot of effort into our internal PAC, our, our political action committee, and we are very, very active. So we're talking to our voters, not just at election time, we're talking to them year round um, and letting them know that, you know, public safety is a piece of infrastructure, just like your roadways, just like your power lines, just like your water lines. Um, if you don't have a safe city, you're not going to have a successful city. Um, and one thing that we've done recently in the last five years, I know a lot of cities are at odds with their chambers of commerce and, and these other large business entities that, you know, kind of see it, the governance as, as a competitive arena, um, government officials, but we've actually got support from our business community because they recognize a safe city makes a prosperous city. Um, and so in Fort Worth, like I said, we really, we've built that bedrock over years, but we do it with constant communication to our citizens. What do you think citizens, and not just in Fort Worth, but around the country, what can they do to help support their law enforcement officers? You know, I think they need to contact their local elected officials and hold them accountable. Um, whenever you see something like in Seattle, you know, and I talked to Mike uh, up there, Mike Solon, who's the president of the, of the Guild, um, they had over 160,000 citizen signatures telling them not to defund their police department, but yet their council did it anyways. And their council is elected by 10,000 votes, 8,000 votes. And so if you can have your citizens hold them accountable for their decisions, then it's not going to happen. Um, every time that you can expose the fact that these folks are doing things that undermine public safety in your city, um, that's an opportunity that you should take. And, and our citizens, and, and I'll tell you what's remarkable about Fort Worth, during the CCPD, which is, was our crime tax that was on the ballot, during that election, we had droves and groups of citizens contacting us asking, how can we help? We had citizens making their own yard signs and door hangers, trying to start their own campaigns to help their police officers, because they recognize just how difficult the, the, the battle is around the nation. And so you really just have to let them know that you need their help. You can't put that guard up and say, we don't want your help, we got it. Because truly right now, we don't got it. We have to have our citizen support that's the only way you win. Uh, and that's the only way you keep your city safe. Because like I said, whenever the police officers are able to, to defeat those defund movements, the folks that benefit are our citizens because we can keep our city safer. And I think th that can be difficult sometimes for citizens. It, it can get almost dangerous sometimes to get politically involved, especially when you're tackling an issue like uh, the defund the police movement, the anti-police, movement where does a citizen begin to get involved like who do you suggest that you know you can't just call up your chief chief of police and say hey i want to help what can they do what's a good avenue for citizens to begin everybody has an elected council person that, that represents or commissioner or if they live in a county or everybody has someone elected that represents them um, in any local municipality any local government that runs a police department um, it, it's not a bridge too far to contact those people and contact them regularly and say, look, I don't like the direction that you're taking the city. And this is what I suggest that you do. Because right now what we see, how the activists are successful, is they are flooding our council members, our, our commissioners, 
our representatives, they're flooding their inboxes with emails and phone calls. And so they're doing that grassroots work. And so all that our council members see is, man, I just got 300 emails telling me to defund the police, but I've got two emails saying don't defund the police. So which one should I listen to? And I, so, so we can't take for granted. We understand, we all uh, as, as logical individuals understand that it's common sense not to defund the police. Well, it should be common sense. So we take that for granted and say, oh, they'll never do that. Council would never vote to do that. But sadly enough, look what happened in Seattle. Look what happened in New York. Look what's going to happen in Austin. Um, these things, if, if we don't step up and really take that first step, contact your council members, then nobody else will. And I know uh, just, just this past couple months have, have really, really sparked that conversation of how we can get citizens more involved uh, and there are super PACs that are actually starting across the nation that, you know, where citizens can actually donate their time and resources to um, national uh, ballot measures, you know, presidential elections, congressional elections, things that do set the tone. But I'll say the, the most important thing they can do is get involved locally, you know, get on a board, get on a commission, get involved, um, because it's it now it's, it's more important than just how many police officers we have on the streets. This sets the tone and the culture for how our children are gonna be raised in this society. Uh, and I, for one, I've got three children. I mean, I wanna make sure that I leave this place better than I found it. And uh, there's no way we can do that if we're defunding our police departments. That's absolutely a fantastic point. And when we talk about grassroots efforts around the country, we are seeing um, back the blue rallies in various jurisdictions. Have you seen any of that in Fort Worth? And what do you feel is the value of those citizen gatherings to support law enforcement? You know, we have. We've had a few back the blue rallies here in Fort Worth. And uh, like I said, they, they, they're typically nonpartisan. It's citizens that come out and, and really want to show their support for the police. And like I said, our ballot measure on the, the crime tax, 40% uh, of Democrats voted for police officers in that election. So it's a nonpartisan issue to support your cops. Uh, but I'll tell you the value that our officers saw because you know as well as I do from, from the work you do around the country, these officers are tired. They're exhausted yes. mentally, physically, they're drained. Um, I mean, they're walking out the door, kissing their families goodbye. That Some of them got tears in their eyes. Their kids are asking them not to leave because they see these stories on the news and it scares them to death. And so that visible support from our communities, holding a sign, this is back the blue, you know, marching down the street with an American flag, that type of stuff is what lifts officers up and gives them a little morale boost to carry them through another shift, another picket line, another protest. That's what gives them that support. And, you know, internally, I know our networks, I mean, I'm reaching out to the folks in Portland and Seattle and New York, but we're going to support each other. But whenever our citizens stand up and say, this is enough, we need to support our cops. That means more than anybody could ever know. I absolutely agree with that. What do you say to people who, who want to claim that that uh, the back the blue sentiment and the pro police sentiment doesn't support the phrase Black Lives Matter? Where where can we marry up those ideas that yes we know Black Lives Matter with the the protests and the uh, the false claim that police officers around the country are randomly attacking black citizens. Yeah, I think that the, the making it a polarizing issue to back your police officers is ridiculous. I mean, to say that 
just because you support your police officers means you don't support black lives. Um, I mean, I, I don't think anything could be further from the truth and you won't run into a police officer that won't tell you the same. Um, and so really it's just misinformation and it's a tagline. And like I said, an echo chamber that they've seized on. When I say they, I mean that the radical groups that really do wish to destabilize our economy, our country, um, our policing system. Um, it's a tagline they've seized on and they've found success with in younger uninformed individuals that, that just want to be a part of a movement. And when I sit down with some of these activist groups and I actually explain to them how well trained their police department is, how much success we have and how, how much restraint we use, uh, and then how accountable officers are held whenever they do make mistakes. Uh, we have officers fired all the time and we don't complain about it because they've committed mistakes, you know? Um, but whenever you sit these groups down and you actually explain to them the real information, their minds are blown. They say, man, we had no idea. You guys were already doing this stuff. Like the, the, they started that eight can't wait campaign. And in Fort Worth, Texas, we were already doing seven of them for, for years. Yeah. yeah. And then that was very shocking to them because they thought, well, no, you, you aren't doing any of this because we see a news story. But at the end of the day, you know, when you have millions of citizen encounters every single year and a fraction of a percentage of them are negative, um, it's unfair to label one whole group, just like you can't label one whole group of folks that, that want to protest um, anything in the streets as all bad. Um, you can't label police officers as all bad, but, but it's not, that's not a new phenomenon. You know that. It's a, uh, it's a pendulum that swings back and forth, and right now it's the, it's the cause du jour, and, and I think that you know, eventually that pendulum will swing back, but the only way it does is if we have that citizen support that stands up. Part of the rhetoric that we hear is police unions are trying so hard to keep bad cops and they don't, they don't care when we have bad cops. And, and you just said, you end up firing multiple officers a year for you know, bad behavior, misconduct, whatever it is, but that doesn't seem to reach the public. Now the problem is we have to balance, right? Between the officer's rights, even if they're being fired, you know, there is personnel law, personnel issues. How do we balance that? Yeah, I think what, what folks need to realize is that police unions have really led the charge in police reforms around the country. And speaking specific to Texas, our civil service laws, the reason why we push so hard to get civil service laws in place is because there was no objective standard for hiring. There was no objective standard for firing. And what you saw was inconsistency. So it was a good old boy system. And really the only way that you can fairly, you know, hire for a public safety institution, whether it be fire, police, EMS, it doesn't matter, is with objective standards. And then our job as professional associations is to raise the level of professionalism. So in our contracts, we require education, we require higher standards than most other departments because we want our citizens to have the best, most qualified, well-trained, well-funded departments in the nation. And so that's the role of an association. The, the discipline piece, really what that is, is policing is very, very, very vulnerable to politicization. And so what you'll see is if someone doesn't like a particular officer or maybe that officer did something to a powerful family in a small city, that chief, if that officer has no due process right protection, that chief or that mayor or that council, they can just dismiss this person. And so we have to recognize police officers are not second class citizens. You know, they have due process rights. They have constitutional rights, just like everyone else. 
And so you can't just jump on whenever something looks bad because policing is a very difficult job and say that an officer is wrong 100% of the time because the situation looks terrible. So that's why we have due process where an officer has a chance for a review, where there's a chance for an investigation. Um, and so associations at large, and, and I speak for a very large one, is that the, the, the tone and temperament that we set is we're not here to protect you if you're a bad cop. If you're a bad cop, get out. Um, but if you're, if you're acting totally justified under the color of your office within your training, you're damn right we're gonna support you because you're doing everything right. You're doing what your department trained you to do. And just because it looks bad on a video camera doesn't mean that you're wrong. And, uh, and we can't fall into that trap. Otherwise, we won't have anybody signing up to do this impossible job. Well, and that's one of the issues we're starting to see around the country is with recruiting, that it's starting to get difficult to recruit um, well-qualified, well-educated applicants. What are you seeing here in Texas? Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head. I think last year the stats said about 60% decrease in applicants um, over across the nation. And in Texas, it's the same. What we're finding is folks will apply. They won't sign, come show up to take the civil service test. And then if they do show up, they're dropping out. So um, I'll speak right now directly. We've got three academy classes going on. And we started with about 40 people in each class. And now they're down to about 25 to 30 in each class. So we're probably only going to add 60, 70 officers this year when we're going to have 150 retired. Um, that's a problem. And we know that, that the environment's only going to get worse and worse as, as policing becomes under heavy scrutiny. We have recruits walking out of classes every day now uh, because their family can't handle the stress. And, you know, more, more concerning than the, the recruitment piece is just the, the good cops that are walking out the door every single day. Um, a phenomenal MPO on the east side. He's only been here eight years. He's actually walking out the door tomorrow. Uh, he's going into construction. So he's been here eight years. Uh, one of the best cops we have. And he just made the decision that it wasn't for him anymore. So um, those are concerning stories that we see all across the nation. Um, it's not the folks that are close to retirement. It's regular, ordinary folks that have only done eight to 10 years. And uh, they're walking out the door. So if if the tone and temperament from our elected officials and from uh, the folks that really make the decisions doesn't change, I fear it's going to get much, much worse. What would you say to a young person who is maybe interested in a, a law enforcement career like you and I have had, um, but they may have a family member, you know, parents, a spouse or partner saying, no, I don't want you to do that. What, what would you say? I would say tune out the noise and do it. Um, 100%. I know that that's a, that's a, controversial thing because some folks would caution them not to do it. But for me, um, public service, public safety, uh, regardless of, you know, the, the political environment, um, I think that it's always a worthy cause. That's like, uh, it's a calling. It truly is for those folks that, that really have a mind to, to step up and say, if not, if not me, then who? Um, it's a calling. And I would say if, if that's, that's what's in your heart and if that's what God's led you to do, then absolutely. Um, you should still do it because fighting for our citizens, fighting to make our generations better will always be something worth doing, no matter how hard it is. And we recognize, you know, uh, I, I'm not in the streets anymore. I'm, I'm the president of this union and that bothers me, but I recognize that the fight is larger now and the fight is larger on the scale that I'm at um, and that everybody plays a role there. So the police officers that are signing up, 
one day they could be the next generation of leaders that turn it around. They could be the next generation of sergeants and lieutenants like us that turn this thing around and make sure that we protect good police officers and, and recruit better police officers. So I would say get involved. And I think that's a great sentiment. I, I would, you know, there's, when you see young people who are on the picket lines and they're angry and you know, they're talking about defund the police, but they, they may not really understand what that means. I would implore them to, to get involved, go be the change. If you don't like what you see in policing now, or you don't understand it, get involved. Absolutely. I think we need to encourage them to go on ride-ins. We need to encourage them to do anything that they can to, to get exposed to, to the reality of it. And, and they might realize just how necessary cops are, um, you know, for, because not, they're not going to be, young forever and eventually they're going to have to join the real world and and, uh, and when they do it's going to be a stark stark reality check absolutely manny earlier you talked about police families and and it this is an increasingly difficult atmosphere not just for police officers but for our families um and we're seeing situations where uh police officers uh personal information is being released it's called doxing um, everybody's trying to uh, find out where officers live, if they're involved in a, a critical incident, protesters may even show up at their home. Are you guys doing anything specific to help protect um, your officers' families here in Fort Worth? You know, we've got a phenomenal group, our family association that, that helps um, fraternally uh, with support and, and services if families need stuff like that, counseling, things like that. We, we do good things there. But on the security side of things, uh, you know, Texas law is that you can actually get your, your name removed from the database, your address removed uh, from the tax, tax assessor's database. So folks can't just uh, look it up if you're a peace officer or government employee. Um, so we're, we're letting our members know, hey, get your name off of that um, because you have a legal right to do so. Um, as far as the, the personal information being released, I mean, we, we have protections in place in civil service to where, um, you know, arbitrary complaints can't be released and things like that. But the, the sad state of affairs is with technology advancing as fast as it is, um, you know, if somebody has nefarious intentions and they really want to get your information, it's almost impossible to stop them. Um, you know, we've looked into services that, that remove your info from Google and things like that, but um, everybody's got social media accounts and everybody's is traceable. Um, and so, you know, it's, these concerns have always been there. I mean, 14 years ago, you know, I was taking blue line stickers off of my car because I was yeah. worried that folks were going to follow me home. Um, I wasn't wearing my wedding ring to work because I didn't want folks to know I was married. Um, so it's always been a concern. It's just nowadays with technology being what it is and everybody having a mind to, to, you know, perhaps try to do something negative there and the, the doxing stuff, it, it's become an increasing concern. So um, there is no one fits all answer and, and major protection that we can offer. And, uh, and it's an everyday concern. So we're just making sure officers are aware, making sure officers know to uh, be vigilant. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to be anyways, so. Absolutely. Manny, how important is social media when it comes to our citizens? supporting us? And in other words, what can our citizens do? You know, social media is huge. Um, for, for organizations and for associations, uh, anybody who belongs to a, a large association in their department or even a small one, um, social media is huge. 
Um, that's one, one thing that I didn't touch on earlier when we talk about our Fort Worth different. You know, we, about 10 years ago, we became one of the largest social media presences for, a, for an association on Facebook. Um, I think it's close to 120,000 followers or something just for an, an association. Um, and, and what that helps is we can actually reach our citizens that are on those, those networks. And we can actually share good news and good information. And they, they, they feel like they're in touch with their department. They feel like they're in touch with their officers. Um, so social media as an organizational, from an organizational perspective is very, very important to reach out to your citizens. Um, from an individual perspective, you need to make sure that, that your private information is not on social media. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's important. And to make sure that you know that we always talk in the academy and you know it, you've heard it from, from your time. We live in a fishbowl and now that fishbowl is on a computer. And so it's, uh, we have to make sure that, that we're vigilant in our personal lives too um, with social media. But, but as an organization, there really is opportunity there to expose all the good things we're doing. Um, and, and that helps kind of tune out the noise because you know all the, all the negative things are occurring on social media too. Manny, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. And, and we so appreciate all you do for not only the officers, but for the citizens of Fort Worth. Well, thank you, Betsy. And, uh, you know, from, from Fort Worth's perspective, we're never going to stop. That's the mission. And uh, we're going to keep on going. So thank you for what you do. Your organization is phenomenal. Thank you very much, Manny. To learn more about how you can help law enforcement, go to nationalpolice.org.